Hey there, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Matt Levine My Generation podcast. Noah and I thought it was appropriate to discuss everything that has happened in America in the past 10 days. Today we have Miles Roper and Jonah Leibowitz, two high schoolers who wrote a petition and letter to New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and has received over 10,000 signatures. We also have political analyst and friend of the show, Amit Deshpande, as all five of us discuss the Black Lives Matter movement, current government leadership, and much more. Stay safe and enjoy. Hey everyone, Miles, Jonah, how hey, are you up? guys? So um, before we get before we get into the work you guys have been doing, uh, do you want to say a little bit about yourselves? Uh, what grade you guys are in? Uh, sure. So um, as you said, my name is Miles. I'm a junior at Scotch Plains Family High School. Um, so Jonah, you want to introduce yourself then? Yeah, uh, my name is Jonah Leibowitz. I'm also a junior uh, in Scotch Plains, but I go to the Union County Votech schools. Yeah, and uh, we also have my co-host, Noah Levy. What's up, Noah? And then also Amit Deshpande, which uh, huh. we're going to talk to him in a little bit. So how'd you guys come up with the idea to write a letter to Governor Murphy and, and why? So Miles and I, I mean, we're friendly all the time. We, we text frequently. And it was over the weekend, I think it was Saturday. And you know, we were just talking about what's been going on. And this was sort of right at the beginning of when these riots were starting to get violent. And we were just talking about how horrible it is. And there, you know, there are people that post lots of things on social media about what well, you, you know, this is terrible or Black Lives Matter or whatever it is. And we just felt like we didn't see many actual suggestions or ways for people to help out in any sort of meaningful way. So we were like, let's, let's come up with something. Yeah. And Jonah, you come from a more conservative background. And Miles, are you more progressive? Um... Yeah, I'm like I'm so I'm finding I'm still finding my place, I guess, from a political standpoint. But I come from a more liberal leaning family, and okay. just to build on Jonah's Jonah's point, when we were um, when the whole George Floyd George Floyd situation started, we were also looking at how people were kind of virtue signaling on social media, and mm-hmm. at the t- at the time, not many people were taking a more proactive stance. So we wanted to find a way to kind of like inter- integrate the accessibility of social media, whilst being able to use it to. Make, to make it to make a change and so that's how we got the idea of writing a letter on social media because one of the seniors at Westfield High School I believe her name is Alexis, Alexis Zammer or something she made a letter when Governor Murphy announced that um, class 2020 won't be able to have the graduation so she's she made a letter that went viral and Murphy ended up seeing it and decided to um, change decide to I say decide to move up the date when seniors could have the graduation so. yeah and I thought I thought what was very interesting you guys are teaming up together and you guys acknowledge that this is bigger than politics, right? Right. And, you know, if I may say something about that, I think that's the reason that what we did um, got so popular so fast because a lot of what you see on social media and, and in the news everywhere is everything's partisan, meaning you've either got people that are saying all cops are bastards, black lives matter. Like if you're not with us, you're, you're, you're racist and you're evil. And then you've got the people that are saying, well, hold on a minute, you know, there are lots of good cops and they get attacked by the one side and they get attacked by the other side. And what we did is we put something straight down the middle that isn't alienating to either side. And we're saying we're acknowledging that there's, yes, absolutely a problem in this country that needs to be resolved, but not all cops are bad and we respect that and that's how we feel. And we want to erase that, you know, idea and here are our actual suggestions that both sides should agree with 
that would resolve this issue and everyone on both sides can get behind that. And that's what we've seen. Yeah. So for those who don't know the petition on change.org linked in the comments has close to 7,500 signatures update. It now has over 10,000 signatures. Wow. At the that's time impressive. Of, uh, Here, you know what? Let's, uh, I'll, I'll, crazy. let me, let me give you guys the number right now. You can keep talking. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you guys surprised the petition, the petition has gained so much traction over, over the span of time and seeing its success, how have you been expanding its reach? Um, as far as whether or not we're surprised, I think it's something that's kind of like more or less, because like, like I said before, social media, social media kind of revolutionized, revolutionized how, accessible, how accessible these platforms for change, for change have become. At the same time, usually when you start, start a petition in general, you don't expect it to blow up like within a matter of three, three days. So like in terms of methodology we use, at first we, start, we, um, we made Instagram posts and spread it on our story about our petition. And like almost a draft or condensed version of the letter that we planned to govern Murphy. We put um, we posted that on my feed and we tried to share that around. Once that gained more and more traction, we started asking people to um, advocate advocate for our petition more, either by um, sharing down the story or sharing the letter that I mentioned before. And then um, Jonah Jonah actually got like a message a few like one or two days ago from one of the personnel from change.org. And so we kind of follow the strategy sequence places such as like messaging, messaging group chats, going on popular IG posts and leaving comments and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think it, it's kind of a testament to how, how successful the petition has been. One of the days the website was down for half the day, right? Yep. That, was, that was yesterday. So um, here, just to give you the numbers, uh, the first day we put, we put it up around five, six o'clock on Saturday had 800 signatures at the end of that day, wow. had 2,000 signatures on the end of Sunday, 5,000 Monday. And as of right now on Tuesday, which is June, oh, I'm sorry. Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. So it had 5,000 5, on Wednesday. And um, as, of, as of today, on Wednesday in the afternoon, it has 10,467 signatures. Wow. That, that's amazing. So what was your initial goal? So th- this is funny because, you know, people have been asking me this. My parents have been asking me this. There wasn't really a goal at first, Miles. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong. It was just we see a lot of people upset, obviously, because it's a terrible situation. We see a lot of people saying stuff, but we don't see any real solutions out there, right? Meaning most successful protests have goals. The people in China last year had their list of four things that once these are accomplished, then we'll get out of the streets, right? And we didn't see that. So we're like, let's just come up with a list. We assumed politicians were doing similar things, but it was like, let's just put this in everybody's mind. And then maybe someone more important than us sees that and likes it and runs with it. And then when it got 2000 signatures in the first day, it was like, oh, you know, we, we, we said something right because, you know, everyone, everyone likes it. Yeah, and then I saw that Miles, you posted an update to the letter. You were changing the demands of the letter to make it more focused on the police complaints, right? Yes. Um, just to just to briefly reference that, the reason I did that is because I did. Um, of course, I was I was referring to how the, um, the officer that murdered George Floyd. He had a history of eighteen complaints, and this Minneapolis Police Department kind of just threw that aside. So obviously, we really don't want that to happen. But the language I use, it seemed like I was referring to police misconduct, which can, can be treated differently. Well, it can be categorized differently than just com- than just complaints. Then building off of Jonah's point earlier, 
Um, the petition also kind of started the ulterior mode to get that quantitative data that this was a cause people will want to rally rally behind. So like you see like on our petition, we have even more summarized version of our letter there. So we just wanted to be able to have another platform we could, where we can expose the audience to our ideas and then gain that gain that quantitative support in mass. So then when we send the final letter to Murphy, you'll see that we aren't just doing this out of the blue. We make sure to carefully craft, craft our argument, expose it to other people and make sure that people are, some, are willing to get behind this cause. Yeah. And if I, if I may add to that, you know, you asked what the goal is. So we've been both giving it a lot of thought the last day or two. Now, I mean, once it hit 10K, especially, I was like, how far do we want to take this? You know, like, when is enough enough? Definitely. And I think the conclusion we came to is, you know, realistically, teenagers don't have a lot of say in this country. We don't have the right to vote, right? We don't have much political power. There's not much we can reasonably be, ex like, expect to get done. So so what we want, I think, is, you know, some sort of recognition from Murphy saying, we've heard you, we see that, you know, Gen, Gen Z, you guys, Scotch Plains, Union County, and we've got people all over the country now that have signed it. Like, we see that you're grouping together behind this one cause, which is awesome. We've heard what you want. We know this is a terrible situation. We see that you've done the research and that you have specific demands. And I, Governor Murphy... I'm going to take them into consideration and try to, you know, make what you're, what you're thinking reality and spread that to the other states. And we think that's really the best that we can do. Yeah. So NJ in New Jersey has been a setting of peaceful protests during this time. Why do you think that is? And what do you expect from the immediate community? I know, um, I think tomorrow there's supposed to be a, pro a process around here. I think it's starting at, um, I think it's starting somewhere near the Grand Park area and then we're going down south South Ave towards the Westfield Police Station, uh, not police station, but train station. But I think like the general purpose that serves is that like the George, the George, Floyd, the George Floyd situation is spawned such a series of concurrent protests all around the country. Like I think now there's been at least one Black Lives, Black Lives Matter protest in every state, every state in the United States of America. So I think it just, sh it just shows that people are just tired. They have enough of the system other systemic issues playing playing communities around our, around our nation and like i was talking to one of my friends earlier and like jonah said before we haven't we haven't really seen really seen what specific demands these protests want which will be issued down the line when, pol when politicians are basically trying to appease that group but i think it also goes to show like how many people are starting to open up open up their eyes and how we're seeing more of a broadening of the demographic when it comes when it comes to these protests too is that it's more a widespread widespread issue and that people are trying to make it less marginalized and more about making america a better place yeah jonah would you like to add something or yeah no i was gonna say it's just interesting you know miles was talking about how this has been a long-standing issue uh, you know i've seen on social media i don't know if you guys are familiar like Colin Kaepernick four years ago when, they, mm -hmm. when lots of NFL players were kneeling for the, the national anthem, which personally at the time I didn't agree with and didn't think was the right thing to do. It's just funny because I, over the last day or two, I've seen some of the, like the ESPN commentators and you know, sports personalities saying like four years ago when we saw him doing this, we were, we were not behind it, didn't like it. Um, but now that all this is happening, we sort of, we sort of see what he was talking about and, we sort of get the idea and we, we feel bad that we weren't more behind it four years ago. And it's just interesting to me because the issue hasn't changed, right? What's one more police like incident of a police officer killing a black person. It's, it happens entirely too frequently. Right. 
so it, it doesn't, there's no real reason why this one should have been the one that set it off and not some other one. But it, mm -hmm. at some point it just becomes too much and, you know, you tip the scale and it be, like this happens. So yeah. I, and kind of going into the realm of social media, Amit, feel free to jump in here. Uh, many people have been posting, like, I know I'll never understand if you're silent, you're a part of the problem. Is that enough during this time or do we need even, even more, not just on social media? So when it comes to like this social media activism, you, what you want to be careful of is people just virtue signaling. signaling. So we, like we saw yesterday where people were uh, participating in Blackout Tuesday, where all they did was post a black, a black square on their feed, which does show solidarity, solidarity, but there is a negative consequence that you may be blocking useful information for some of these protesters to share on social media. But like being, a, being able to show that solidarity on social media it's a good place to start, but you should really be doing more. Doing more. It's like, I know there's a trend going on right now where people are sharing templates of letters that you can send to your congressman demanding change um, in police enforcement throughout your state or even throughout the country. Like, obviously, Joe and I are here because we decided to start a petition by our letter to our governor. There's so much other things that you could do to try to make the situation better and to make sure that something like this, um, we're on our way to make sure that it doesn't happen in our own community. And going back to, like, posting posting a black screen and showing solidarity do you think there are some people out there who who don't really care for this issue but are still posting just so they don't look bad in the eyes of others uh, i also would like to add are they just posting just to post like just to get it out there and put an image of themselves so it's interesting and you know i've given this a lot of thought too and my initial reaction when when this started, because I'm one of those people that doesn't post about politics. Never once in my life have I ever posted anything about politics, aside from a uh, from Trump Trump Rocky, <laughs> when he when he put his face on a uh, on Rocky. That was that was the one political thing I've ever posted because I thought it was hilarious. But you know, there are just there's so many different issues in the world. I'm Jewish. My mom belongs to the synagogue in Pittsburgh that got shot up last year. That issue is important to me. When that happened, I was furious, it was heartbreaking, it was devastating, and I cared. But I can't reasonably expect everyone to care as much as I do, because it doesn't concern them. Not that people are all evil and they don't care about others, it's just there are so many different bad things going on in the world, you can't expect people to pay attention and care about them equally. So when, you, obviously, African Americans and people that care about this issue more they're going to post first, right? I mean, because they're the ones that are following this actively and they're the most emotionally hurt when something like this happens. Other people, you can be sure they don't care exactly as much, but when you've got people, you know, going around throwing blanket statements like anybody that hasn't posted yet is complicit, you're all a racist, and I notice your silence, it's kind of hard to not <laughs> post something after that, right? Mm -hmm. So, Again, in, in the interest of giving people the benefit of the doubt, I don't think anybody thinks that America isn't racist or that what that cop did is good. No one's saying that. And it's, it's sort of annoying to me personally that people are saying there are other people out there saying that, if, if that made sense, right? Like, I think we're all united here in agreeing that this is bad, but it's just hard for everyone to care about everything. So the message that Miles and I are sending is, you know, let's just make one cause for everyone to rally behind. And it doesn't matter when you did it, but we're just, we're all here together. Yeah, I think, I think you brought up some interesting points there about you see something on social media. If you're, if you're silent, you're complicit. It's, it's kind of pressuring you, but I think it's also, it's trying to light a fire in you. 
Right. So I think yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a good aspect of it, but then like if you take it the right way, I think you have to you have to be inspired by it. And I think that's that's an important message to take from that. Amit, what do you think about this? Well, I think there's two things that are happening here. Um, one thing that's happening, I'm seeing a lot of division between the people who support this because right now, um, I think that most people support this cause and they understand that, as Jonah said, they understand that what the officer did was wrong. And you can't really like, it, that's kind of the videos out there and people accept that. But what's happening is that some people are, again, like saying, like, if you don't post this, if you don't do that, you're complicit. And some people are even farther than that. They're, call, they're, they're calling these um, riots that are happening, they're calling them like a revolution. And they're saying that we really need to do a lot more, something that a lot of people are not comfortable with. And I think that's an issue of this thing called the Overton's window, which some people have their politics are so far on one end that they kind of lose touch with most moderate people. Like most people are not um, either into politics or they're not like that far where you might be with your views. And I think the first step to getting people to actually like, you know, at, like take action for change. The first step is to actually um, understand that and cater to them and not just like, be super aggressive when someone is getting into politics for the first time. Hmm. The second issue I'm seeing is that this, the murder of George Floyd, it was definitely a police brutality and a race issue. But afterwards, the protests and the riots, um, th this is like a multifaceted issue. There's a lot of things happening, especially with the federal response. Um, I, th I know that recently uh, President Trump, he threatened to invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807. Yeah. And that big, this is not now, now it's no longer just a protest issue, but it's also an issue of constitutionality. It's also an issue of what's going on with the federal response and where is the power going? Like, is the government trying to take more power um, through this crisis? Or are they exercising a power that they don't have? So, these issues, I think if we talk about these issues in a multifaceted way, we can actually appeal to a lot more people because people do care about this one issue, but they also might care about the constitution. They also might care about, you know, authoritarianism. And if, if you make it, if you kind of explain it that way, people will become more interested because you have to tell them that this is not just about this one group of people. It's about everyone because it's going to affect everyone eventually. And so I think that if we really think about it in that way, we can really appeal to a lot more people. Yeah, and so let's let's go further into the the topic on the protests that are going on throughout our country. What what are your overall thoughts? I think what's happening right now, especially because we have we have protests, but then um, they do turn into riots, and there are obviously riots happening in many major cities. I think what's happening though is that the riots are overshadowing the protests. Like I think there's there's a really good and peaceful protests happening, but what's happening is when when these riots happen, the police have no choice but to respond violently. And sometimes the police are overstepping and they're they're exercising power that they don't have. And they're basically shutting down peaceful protests. And then obviously people get rightfully enraged at that and they say, well, this is our First Amendment right. You know, you can't shut down peaceful protests just because there's riots happening somewhere else. And I think it's it's a really weird thing because so there are some cases where the police are actually using violence, the same type of violence that people are protesting against. And I, I think that's like 
I think that's probably the worst way to respond to this entire thing. I think it's just going to fuel the riots and protests more. Um, and it's just going to turn, it's just going to ruin relations between the police and the community to have um, police come out and riot gear and they don't have, they're basically covering their face and they have riot gear. It's, it's dehumanizing the entire thing. And I think that's just going to make things worse. It's going to fuel the fire more. Yeah. Miles, Jonah, do you want to add to that or disagree with it? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, you know, going back to what we said before about Colin Kaepernick, right? Like if, if something as small as that kneeling during the national anthem during the sports game, which again, at the time I did not particularly agree with that. I wasn't enraged, but I didn't agree with it. If that can cause a national uproar, like uproar then, obviously, obviously this is going to cause way more uproar, right? Meaning at the end of the day, there are videos out there of store owners getting possibly killed. You can't really tell from the video, trying to defend their store from looters, which again, the police aren't there to protect other people's property. They're there to enforce the law. So they can't do anything about that. So yeah, it, it, it looks bad, right? right? Meaning anybody that even supports these riots or has been part of them, the cause may be amazing, but anytime you're doing violence like that, anybody who sees that out of context, the immediate reaction is not a good one, right? And I think people need to understand that. And again, I think people, like Amit said, they're losing, tr- they're losing sight of what the actual issue is. We're all united in agreeing that what the cop did is bad and that racism is a problem. We shouldn't be disagreeing about how we address that. Or meaning people might have different opinions on how to address it. But the conflict should not be between people that are all on the same side. And that's what's making me angry. And that's why we did what we did, because we wanted to provide some sort of outlet for people of all backgrounds and opinions to, you know, agree on this. I think to Jonah's, Jonah's point, what's also happening is that mass me, um, it's starting to become like a conflict between mass me and what I like to call like Apple journal, journalism. So like news outlets like, C- like CNN, MB- NBC, NBC, maybe even Fox News, they're going to focus on stories throughout these protests that are generating the most profit. And in their eyes, what they're going to focus on are like the riots, uh, the riots that, are go- that are going on, being able, being able to see policemen, police decked out, or whenever there's most commotion going on within these protests. And what that's ha- what's happening now is that what they're doing is is gearing so much of the national com- t- conversation towards how bad how bad these riots are, which we all know are terrible. And it's also like I believe Amit mentioned, it's also like steering conversation away from those peaceful protesters and the message they're trying to send. So at the same time, at the same time. Especially like the advent of like Snapchat, Instagram, we're relying on some of the people that are protesting themselves to share like the share this critical information about what's really going on. What is instances of police reacting violently towards peaceful protesters or acts within within these protests themselves that go against the national narrative? So, do you think the looting and the rioting undermines the overall message? I think I think I think it I think it does. Yeah, because. I know there's also there's also the conversation going on of whether whether or not the people who are people who are who are looting and starting these riots they're from these external groups who are trying to corrupt the protests in general. But I think regardless, when you're when you're trying to when you're tra- when you're trying to um, compare compare peaceful protests and riot in general, what are you going to focus on more? You're going to focus on the thing that. That immediate, that poses that poses a direct threat to society immediately, and sometimes and sometimes that could sometimes that can happen both time. But like it's weird to say, but it can happen almost simultaneously. But people are going to focus on the thing that 
pose a direct danger to them. People will see that as riots rather than systemic, systemic racism in the police department. So, and I, right. I've seen. Oh, yeah, you want to go, Amit? You go. Oh uh, yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. I I just don't like when I see people talk about these riots in like this way like it's it's some sort of revolution or some sort of uprising i think that's a really dangerous way of going about things because i do agree that demonstrations and even maybe more aggressive demonstrations have a place in democracy i do understand that when you know legislators and and politicians don't listen to you you have to demonstrate and you have to show them that you have to listen to us but what's happening is that there's this like incoherent and unorganized violence and it's really it's some people are trying to justify it because they again they have more extreme views they're trying to justify it by saying that this destruction has some sort of symbolism but i think that if you're still in the system and if you're trying to change one idea one you know whether it be police brutality or whatever it is if you're trying to change one thing you can't have like this unorganized uprising of everything because then you're going to end up changing nothing it's only going to accelerate you know, a response from the police, you're only going to end up hurting the cause. And that's why I, I generally, like, at first I was sort of unsure whether these riots are going to be helpful or not, but I'm noticing that at this point, the riots are really just giving a bad name to the protesters. And I can't stand by that because I know that a lot of these protesters are fighting for actual demands. And there are protests where there aren't end goals, but there's also protests where they actually have certain demands. And if you're going to you know kind of ruin that with the riots it's just hurting the cause and that's something i just can't stand by yeah and i've seen i oh i'm sorry can i add something to that yeah Yeah. i apologize um so i don't know if you guys are familiar the movie gangs of new york with uh leonardo dicaprio it's okay so it's about this yeah Yeah. it's about the 1873 draft riots so in manhattan in 1873 this was during the civil war uh irish people were like the lowest rung on the food chain, right? Even lower than black people. They were newly immigrated to America and they couldn't get any real jobs and they were all very poor. And they started drafting, like America started drafting for the civil war and there was an amount of money you could pay to get out of the draft. And most people could afford it, but these Irish people couldn't. So it was almost like they were just trying to scoop up and kill all the Irish people and send them out to combat. And Mm -hmm. there were massive riots for 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 weeks and lots of people died they were killing children they were they burned down an orphanage they were killing lots of black people and you know what you look back at that in history books and you don't look at it as oh look at this awesome thing they did and then change happened because of it you look back Mm -hmm. at look at this travesty this atrocity this horrible terrifying event that happened in new york city and you can't even you can't even believe that it's real and again like the civil rights movement in the 60s there was violence there too but it was very focused violence there was a point they had demands they had a goal in china in hong kong they've had goals right meaning successful protests even if there's violence have goals and like amit said and i really agree it, it just it doesn't feel like there's any sort of direction with this so then when there's no direction meaning if you're all centered behind a goal and you say that people say oh well come on like let's just make this happen and then this will all stop but that's not there. So anybody that doesn't completely agree just sees it as, oh, these people are just rioting. Like we know racism is real, but we don't think it's going to get solved that, that way. Mm-hmm. Meaning it creates the sense of urgency you want, but that urgency is just urgency unless there's something that can be done to stop it, right? It's just, it, it's just violence. Yeah. And I, I've seen on social media, like some of our peers have, have said, it's a, 
it's like a poster that like you repost it's if you're more upset by how they're protest by how they're protesting than why they're protesting you're part of the problem so like what are your thoughts on that do you think it's coming from from like an uneducated place miles you brought up the idea of like apple news like you're scrolling through social media you find out headlines do you think it's coming from a place like that i think what that message but um there's down to just like the idea of incentives of what you want to get resolved first do you want to resolve um the idea of why these people why these people are processing writing or do you want to stop the riot riots first so i think like just in general kind of what my predisposition is that that may be coming from a more um maybe like a more maybe like a more more liberal liberal background but I think I do. I do think to to an to an extent that is a kind of ignorant ignorant state, statement. It's one that's very, that tends to be very polarizing polarizing as well. It's just not a good idea in general to say to say like if you don't if you don't agree with me, then you're a part of the problem. I just think that's a very polarizing statement. That if you're trying to get 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 America, which is a na- a nation of diversity, both in both in ethnicity and, pers- and perspective and ideology, you're trying to get everyone behind behind this unifying unifying cause. You also have to respect the that diversity of incentives. So just by having having everyone try to try to get on one, get on one side, which is a, a position that's very linear, I don't think is really effective. And do you think there there's a cultural disconnect on this topic between like parents and kids? I'm not sure. I mean, it would de- it would depend like what type of co- what type of community you grow up in, what type of interaction you have you have with the police at, um, at that type of age. I know like when it comes to m- when it comes to my parents, I've li- I've been very, I've been very grateful to say that I really haven't been in that situation in my in my life. However, I do have fa- I do have family in in Queens, more urban parts urban parts of New Jersey where that could that definitely could be an issue, be an issue in part of their part of their lives. I definitely try to sympathize with that. I know, like, hopefully Jonah can speak to this too. Like, we're both runners. Like, whenever we run as part of cross-country practice or winter and spring track, we run by cops all the time. They don't get in our, get in our way. So I do think that there is definitely this role of sympathy within this whole dilemma that one would have to have to assume. Just acknowledge that it may not be a problem for you, but it's just, that means not a problem for everyone. Hmm. Would anyone I mean, like just, to add on to that? Yeah. Uh, to speak to the cultural disconnect, I definitely see that, um, especially from my background, because my, my parents are both immigrants from India. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens sometimes is that they they agree with the issues and like they agree that all what's happening is dangerous, but then they disagree with the response because unlike the United States, other countries don't always have the same, because like there's riots everywhere, but some other countries have worse riots and the riots are dangerous to the point where people just avoid them entirely or even the protests because they can it can turn out you know very violent after some time and sometimes the law doesn't protect you um, unlike the united states in some places so sometimes what happens is that the response kind of like the, the response from the people kind of makes some of these other people who've seen these rides before they kind of like tend to shy away from the issue and they stay silent because they don't want to talk out and you know they they have this fear that they might get in trouble. So I, I think again the violence is it's divisive really. Like on what it's predominantly coming from one side, and we can't we can't like be divided through violence between the people because really this issue isn't just it's not about different people and different opinions. It's about the people versus the institutions. Like the police and or the police 
is an institution, the state is an institution. Um, and this issue is largely institution versus the people. And if we keep dividing amongst ourselves, well then like right now you see people in Congress or in people in state legislators, they're not really at, like, they don't have, they're not having an issue with this. You know, they may go out there on the news and say, oh, these riots are bad. This is bad. That's bad. But there's no threat to them. And they certainly don't feel an urge to act quickly because if that were the case, they would have acted by now. Hmm. And so I, I think that unity actually does a lot more than people think. I think if you really do unite, and even if it's peaceful, if you unite and you show these institutions that, hey, we're not going to back down until you, you know, do what we demand, um, that's a much more powerful message than, you know, whatever's happening right now in the country. Oh, so do you think the the protesters who um, are practicing civil disobedience and peaceful protests past curfew, should they be arrested? I don't think they should be arrested, but I do know that by, there are some laws and that's kind of unfortunate that the laws are like that, where um, if you're there past curfew, you could get arrested. But that kind of like highlights an issue with the system where right now protesters can protest, but if the police really want to, they can shut it down. And that, that becomes an issue. So one of the things that I've actually talked to people about, um, and we've had political disagreements, but recently, we, or a few months back, we had the protests in Michigan where um, these armed, and, and they were generally conservative too. There were armed protesters who st- like stormed the Capitol building in Michigan. Um, and they and they demonstrated in the street despite the pandemic, the social distancing laws. And what I thought that if we want to really protect protesters who are not who are nonviolent, right, not the rioters, but if we want to protect protesters, I was suggesting that sometimes I think you may have to hold armed and peaceful protests, even though it may seem like you're trying to incite violence. If you remain peaceful, but if you have like a layer of protection, right? Because sometimes the police can act out and they can really go aggressive. Even if it goes past curfew, you still have a first amendment, right? And you need a way to protect that. And that's why we have the second. So I think that they shouldn't be arrested, but that's not going to happen. So we have to sort of have a way of intimidating some institutions in power so they don't overstep and they don't overreach. Miles, Jonah, what do you guys think about that? Well, so here's where I think, and this is like probably one of the touchier parts of the subject. I am a firm believer in in the Constitution, right? Meaning I think that the laws are the laws. Smarter people than us deliberated over them for a lot longer than us, right? I feel like we've got a culture, especially with the internet, that people want read one article and they think they're an expert, right? And and. I'm not going to, I'm not accusing anyone of that, but it just, I, I am generally of the opinion that someone out there in charge knows more than I do about the issue. And I don't like to try to, you know, preach authority when I don't have it. The laws are the laws that that's how I feel. Right. Meaning the cops did this to themselves, all the racism, all the, the, the misconduct people, I feel then sort of are in the right for mistrusting them. But at the end of the day, they still have the authority, like the, the responsibility and the authority to lay down the law, right? Meaning not all cops are bad. It's just not the case. Most of those cops out there are just doing their job. And it's unfortunate enough that these are the circumstances. So if I'm a police officer right now, like people need to think about this and I'm sent out by my commanding officer 
to not not start shooting into a crowd. No one said that. No one said to shoot into a crowd. But if you're sent out there to manage these protests, and if it's riots, de-escalate it to peaceful protests, that's your job and you have to do that. And I think people are immediately assuming that every police officer is is just against the movement and against black people. And it's just not the case. And you know, this is even more controversial, but Trump talking about calling in the National Guard, when there are people burning down businesses, that's what happens, you know? And I know some people don't like that and they're gonna assume that it's, it, it's racist intentions. But at the end of the day, if you're the governor of, of, of Minnesota or the governor of Georgia and, and, and your main metropolitan areas are just being burned down, you need to respond to that. And it's not necessarily against the movement. It's just people are acting outside the law and you, you want to keep it inside the law. Cause then at the end of the day, if you're just committing crimes, are we any better than them? Right? Yeah. So and I know some people don't feel that way, but I, I feel like for this to work and for something to happen, people need to understand the other side. Yeah. So follow up on that. What do you think about the heavy use of federal law, law enforcement in the DC area, Lafayette square? You know, it's, it's near the president and you may not like him, but he is the president and that's, that's a security threat. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, like, like people are going on on social media about, Oh, they were shooting rubber bullets and tear gas into the crowd around Trump. It doesn't look good, Mm -hmm. but the president is out in the open. There's a gigantic angry mob. A lot of people who really fucking hate him. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if I can curse. They really hate him. They probably want to see harm come to him. As the president's protection, you've got some responsibility to, you know, to protect him. So that, that's what I, I, it's unfortunate, but I, it's their job, right? Mm -hmm. So Lafayette Square, Monday, right after Trump uh, had his press conference, what do you guys think about what happened? And then also we could talk about what do you think of his speech? Um, I, de I definitely think Jonah. I definitely think Jonah. Jonah's right. There are de there are definitely people who don't who don't understand. Like, like everyone knows how integral how integral the role of president of the United United States is to the nation, obviously. And so, this is coming that general is going to be a heavy heavy security threat. And you really you really have to have to have to mitigate mitigate to really the extent of how people how how close do people can get to the president in, in general? I do think that this is this is an example of that. But what, the thing I really had I really had a problem with was just him walking walking over to the cathedral, raising a Bible in his hand. I thought that was I thought that was playing religion a little bit, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I do I do think that there's always there's always been a there's always been a just a just authority when it comes to protesting in D.C. and then being able to uphold uphold this protection of left. Of elected officials. Now, I guess for other, I guess for other parts, of, parts of the city, you might see like this, like this under underarching trend of um, brutal, really repressing some of these other peaceful protests. But do you think, like, when it comes to that immediate area around the White House, having those extreme security measures is somewhat justified? Hmm. Um, so, here's here's the thing about again DC and what you guys said, Miles and Jonah. I I agree with it. But then I'm going to give an analogy here, right? You could say, like, imagine you were back in, I'm not sure when the Revolutionary War happened, like 1700s, right? And 
there was uh, the British king wasn't there, but let's just say let's just say that the British king was there um, in the colonies. He would have the same protection, and the the um, the Continental Army, the the ones that were revolting, um, they would obviously be going near and trying to gain strategic, you know, uh, gain military strategic areas and try to basically push the British out. So, I get it that there's obviously this authority, but I just want to bring the context because I'm not advocating for obviously a civil war. I'm saying that there can be authority and there can be laws, but they can also be wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you can't like, and, and this is why, like, as we progressed as a nation, we've become less of a constitutional Republic, but we've rather become an administrative state. And what's happened now is that there's really no way, like the people don't really have any power or any threat against the government. Um, obviously the protesters and like, I get protecting the, the president, but what happens when this government doesn't listen to you? What happens when the president is saying things that might threaten the constitutionality of like, you know, the police action and things like that? What do you do then? And people might say, okay, well, we have to do have legislative action. But when you pair this with all of these other issues, and this isn't just, you know, these riots, prior to these riots, I mean, for example, Congress has a uh, an approval rating of 17%. So, like, can you really call them representatives anymore? Can you really say that the government and there's, like, law and order? Like, people like to say that there's law and order and we have a rule of law. But does that does that really exist if this isn't a democratic nation anymore? Because then that's a really easy way to um, sort of transform into an administrative and authoritarian state. And that's obviously an issue. And it really depends. Like, maybe 20 years from now, most of us might be in favor of like a revolution or something, right? Like you never know. And again, not right now, but mm-hmm. we may be in favor of that. So like how, how important is authority after a while? Like does it really, does it, how, how much weight does it have um, when we have certain issues where it's really like the government is not abiding by the constitution or things like that. I think it's important to question authority and it's important to sort of understand that people in power might not always know what they're doing and sometimes they do know what they're doing but it's not always um you know abiding by what this nation is supposed to be but why not a revolution amit why not like right now i think the question isn't necessarily about why or why not because first well first of all i guess i'll say i'm i'm definitely more of a pacifist i don't believe in war um i don't believe that violence is ever the answer but i do believe that there's it's a necessary evil in some cases. I do know that um, when you have to defend a people's liberty, you have to have a response that's violent. And it really depends. It's the context. Um, The reason I'd say no to a revolution, though, is because I don't think, first of all, the rioters right now, they're, they're very, they don't have, they're leaderless and they're very unorganized. And honestly, like if we had to choose right now, I'm not going to choose them to leave this country. Like, I, I just mention, I wouldn't bet this against the U.S. Army. <laughs> uh, right, and then, and yeah. that's my second point. Like, I think that if there were to be a revolution, I think the people could win. It's just that there's no there there's no widespread support. Like most people don't even like most people would not be on board with this, and it's unfortunate. Like, I I do think that there's a place for revolution and still in the United States and in the world, you know, I don't, I don't think we can keep condoning things after a certain point, but right now, like there's, it's unrealistic and um, 
just and not an idea that's going to work, especially this this issue um, of police brutality. It can be solved through legislation. It just needs to happen. And I don't think that you know causing a, a full on civil conflict is the proper answer to it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that it was it was completely necessary to protect Trump. Say something happens to him, the whole other side is fired up, and then it becomes right. a clash of two right. sides that it, it just yeah. wouldn't end well. Yeah, I was actually going to respond to Amit's point before. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the thing about when we question, you know, authority. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. And, you know, I, I like what you said recently is this is not something that warrants revolution. It's not something that could muster enough support for revolution. It's right. something that there is an actual, rational, possible solution that is less than revolution. And, it, you know... If you suddenly, you know, Miles was talking about headlines and, you know, what people see on Instagram. If you see one week into this president assassinated, like what message does that send? You know, it, what, right. like, it, it's not, it's not what they want to represent themselves as. They want to look like the good guys, right? They're the oppressed. They want, well, not they, we, all of us, I do too, right? That's obviously why we started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But if the goal is civil liberties and there is a way to get these civil liberties and it may be hard. It's just to escalate the violence and the conflict to a scale that isn't necessary. It, 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 even, even if it might be needed, right? Like obviously this violence got us talking about it more than in the past. And I agree that sometimes excessive force and action is necessary. You're giving yourself a public image that you don't want and you don't understand how other people that don't agree with you are going to see it. Yeah. And I get your point about protecting the president. It's just, why is he doing something like that? Like, what's, what's the need for something like that? And I think, I think the need, there is no need for that. And Amit, you spoke about the idea that whether Trump or Biden being in office, it, it's not going to change anything as far as race relation goes. Mm-hmm. And I, I agreed with you, but now I'm not fully sure because like something like this, I just don't think it sends the right message. I really, I really don't think it sends the right message. What, right, what the and, protesters are doing or what Trump's uh, doing? No, like what he did with the whole church and how he... And his speech, right? Yeah, his speech. Yeah. And then also, there, there was no reason for him to hold up a Bible and walk across the square to yeah. take a picture at a church. Especially because they knew it was going to have that response of people going after him and then the, the guard having to yeah. start a sheet. Right. Yeah. You know what, honestly, and... This, I'm trying to remain completely as apolitical as possible. This is just, my my political views are not part of this. Mm -hmm. I don't mind a lot of things Trump has done. Like, I've been with him much longer than most people have. And he's he's a fucking asshole about all this. Like, he's handled this terribly, horribly. Usually... Usually things like this, and I was talking about this with my dad yesterday. I looked up these, these statistics. The highest presidential approval rating ever was 90-something percent the week after 9-11. Bush. And people yep. hate Bush. Mm-hmm. Hate him. But he's had the highest recorded presidential approval rating. And the next one is Truman shortly after World War II ended, even though they dropped the bomb in Japan. Like, disaster and conflict is the best possible thing for a president. It is so easy to come out of it looking good. You just got to smile, be a leader. And once you get through it, he's the person that led us through this. And he's done the opposite of that. 
the absolute opposite. Like if I were his advisors or a diehard Trump guy and I wanted him to get reelected and I'm not commenting on whether I do or don't, but like in his best interest, there, it's not that hard to manage the situation and he's done a horrific job of it. Seriously, he's shooting himself in both feet. It's just, it's a disaster. Yeah. Right, but but like, what kind of a message? I mean, I I get that that's what that that's the reality, right? Like after a wartime, um, the president tends to have like a a very high approval rating, but like, I think that attitude in our country just needs to change. Like, are we really going to unite over conflict and war? Especially it's overseas. Like that, most like we haven't had a war on U.S. soil in since since like the War of eighteen twelve or something, or like the Civil War, um, or yeah, the Civil War. Um, so is that really the best way we can unite? Like, is it why I, I think that attitude, that violence and, and some sort of conflict, and this obviously mixes with nationalism and militarism, um, is, is that really the best way that we can unite as a country? And, and it may be right now, realistically, but I think that just vision needs to change. Like, I, I get that you were pointing out that's what it was, but I think that that can't be what it is in the future. If I may respond to that. Mm-hmm. We're getting into sociology at this point, and you have to understand there's what you ideally would like to right, capture right. everyone's attention and emotions, and there's what is. And the, the simple truth of the matter is that you need something like, like, look at any country in any time throughout history ever. It's not a good thing that unites people. It's a bad thing, right? And, right. and, and it's, it's, it's terrible, but it's human nature, right? And yeah. uh, I, you know, and I agree with you, right? Violence is horrible. And I'm, I'm not necessarily a pacifist, right? A lot of people in my family have been in the military. I plan on doing that myself. I plan on owning guns when I'm older, right? So, but, mm. but just coming, giving my opinion united in this cause of racism is bad. Like, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's what it takes, you know? And, and, and it's happening right now. So the question is, how do we funnel this anger and outrage and energy into something productive? That that's my opinion, but and I think I think Trump is trying to steer us away from right. being he's, productive. He's fueling the fire. He's making it worse. Yeah, and so I, I have the, yeah. I have one last question about this. I, I've talked to, I've talked about this with my dad. Are we wasting words and energy bashing Trump because is he is he like intentionally doing doing Absolutely. this for us to yeah. to spend less energy focusing on the real problem? Yeah. Which is the I think I, is that 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 issue is definitely one of leadership and just one of the political of the political infrastructure of the United States because I feel like part of that is also a consequence of having a two party system in the first place because I think any any decision any decision a person a person in power in the United States would make would basically be will serve as context for kind of like the intentions intentions of the of their party. I definitely think Trump's. Trump's playing that card by saying like, "Oh, look at look at these look at these Democratic governors, look at these Democratic mayors, look at them, look at how they're look at how they're standing and doing nothing, trying to incite this violence." I do think he's trying to play that card in order to, I guess, try to strength try to strengthen his base. But again, like you guys were saying before, that's very polarizing language in itself. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, I think that at a at a point that may start to work to almost like work against some like human foot like Jonah is saying, especially when it comes to the black to the black vote. Because I know um, Trump's Trump's also Trump's also um, like advocating for himself and and saying that he really deserved the black black vote because the opportunity zones 
um, the economic opportunity he's provided to African Americans. Well, he just I posted think, about that yesterday. I think the, yeah, he tweeted about it. Yeah, but I think especially how he handles the George Floyd situation, it may like severely detract how African Americans view him. Because yeah, you can, <laughs> you, can support, you can support you can support the African African American. American community from an economic economic sense, but I think what this, this this can show is that Trump's not Trump's not really willing to attack these these institutional dilemmas that the black community sees as holding them back for so long. And you refuse to to remove remove these pretenses. A lot of the economic questions you said they really won't start to matter. After right, and you know, just to I, I I really liked what you just said, Miles, and just to put it like sort of in simpler and plainer terms, like. Tr- if you watch the state of the union address, Trump's most recent one, like if what he said is true, Trump's done a lot for black people. He really has. And other minorities, meaning you may not like him and you may say, oh, well, it's not really, you know, Trump's responsibility. It's other people under him. And that, that's always, always true. But things have been better for minorities under Trump than they've been before him, even under Obama, right? On paper. But then this happened. And like Miles said, he just showed his cards. He's not really... I, again, these are statements that I can't back up with evidence, but it, it, what it really seems like is although he's done all these things, he's not really in their camp and, and it shows, you know, because if he even was even a little bit, he would have more sympathy and solidarity and understanding for what's going on and he, and he just doesn't. Yeah, and it, and it definitely shows. Kind of steering away from, from the current leadership, what do you think is going to happen when this situation dies down? Do you think we're still going to be talking about this specific situation in the middle of July. And more importantly, do you think kids are still going to be using their social media to post about race relations in the U S well, I, I think, think uh, oh, I'm sorry. You go first. Yeah. Um, I think that there's, there's definitely really good progress that's happening because I'm seeing people post stuff that like, I haven't seen them post ever. Right. But the problem is that this is only a tip of the iceberg. Like I, I don't want to take away from the issue of police brutality because I think it's, it's one of the most pressing right now. It's probably the most pressing right now. But then there's there's countless other issues. And it's not just issues like like the typical politics, right? People always mention like things like taxes or whatever. Like that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about it, this is beyond Trump. This is beyond just the president, the government. This is the entire structure of America, the entire power structure. And the first thing we can do to really keep talking about it is get people to really understand this entire context and there's still people who don't who kind of just have this certain view of america and the world really it's not just the united states they have this certain view but they don't know like what happens at the top or how things function at the top and if we really try to understand that we'll know what we need to fix but i don't see much of that happening people are just kind of posting these like aesthetics on on their stories and like that's great and all, but honestly, after a certain points, really not because you really need to know a lot more about what's going on, um, and and be aware about like, you know, what these people are doing because again, it's very easy to fall into this like tribalistic camp of either like left or right, Democrat or Republican, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot more to step away from the entire system and just look at it and see like, okay, the problems sometimes are greater than just partisan, you know, issues. And I think if we understand that, it's going to really like set off and we, people are really going to become more aware generationally, but I don't see that happening right now. So I'm well, just trying to use my platform to, you know, talk about that and really spread information as much as possible. I'd like to add what to, what to what he just said. 
Um, I think generally progress sort of builds on itself. You've got like a snowball effect, right? Meaning if you look back at the 1920s or the whole progressive movement, it started out with, with one thing, but then in the span of like 10, 15 years, you've got women's right to vote, better rights for workers, uh, you know, better, better labor laws, And like, it all just, it builds on itself. And there's periods where things get so bad in certain ways that you realize now is the time for change. And, you know, if you want to end this with some sort of optimistic message, I think, you know, maybe an idea to walk away with is that this is the beginning of that next wave, right? Meaning mm -hmm. people are finally noticing, like Amit said, that there's something institutionally wrong with America. And it's not just police brutality, it's people's ability to make change outside of the government. And mm -hmm. it needs to start somewhere, right? Meaning to say America is institutionally messed up and people can't make change. You, you can't tackle that issue. Where do you start, right? Like, how do I address the issue of America is broken? It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But if you have one issue, which in this case is police brutality, let's get this issue solved. And then people see, oh, you know, I mean, it, it took some violence. It took some, some, you know, some time, but it happened how did that happen? And then you can start repeating that and, and eventually you get actual change. And I think I'm optimistic. I think this is the beginning of one of those periods of time where we're going to see several issues get solved and hopefully a, a better, better country for all of us. And I think that yeah. once that starts to develop too, people will start trying to advocate for more efficient means to get what they, what they want to see done, like done, like done. So like we were talking before earlier within this podcast about how the protests in the Hong, protests in the Hong Hong Kong, they had goal, they had goals, they had demands to achieve, and they had they had strategic and efficient means to get those get those demands interpreted and essentially met. So I think as as after this inciting incident, as time time progressed, people are starting to take are start going to think more critically about how they could they could try to use the system against itself in order to try and push try and push the demands they want to see in society. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's it. That I I actually agree entirely with what you guys said. Like people around the world are definitely getting out of their homes and and getting on the streets and really like they're they're pushing for demands. And I think that if the U.S. follows suit, that's going to be perfect because you're going to set a trend where people get involved and they start solving an issue and then another issue and then they they see what they did wrong, then they're going to fix it and then they're going to solve another issue. And that's really the best way to go. I think that's a great. I mean, with all that's happened in 2020, if that can unite us, I think that's going to be an incredible yeah. thing for the future of this country. And as, as we kind of begin to wrap up here, this podcast is about Generation Z. It's for, it's for people involved in whatever that interests them, but they're doing great at it. And so you three are kind of, you, you guys are doing awesome work. And you. do you think Thank social you. justice and like helping to end racism is in your future? And do you think that's a career path that, you would want to go on? Um, so I'll go first. I, you know, it's, it's funny because this, this whole thing is just so foreign and alien to me. I'm generally conservative, right? Meaning I, I believe in the right to bear arms and all sorts of things. And it's just so funny because I've been interacting with so many social people on social media the past week that if they knew any of my other political beliefs, we'd be having a very different conversation. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. That's the point. It doesn't matter. We've had people that commented on my post, not all police are bad, MAGA, 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 MAGA. And I convinced them to sign our petition, meaning anybody that focuses on that, they've got, they've got the wrong idea. But that's sort of a tangent. The point is, it's been like, 
I'm not about this. This is not me. We just posted something because we felt something needed to be said. And we sort of got dragged into this much bigger movement on accident because it just happened to have some success. So I don't know if this is what's in the cards for me, but clearly we've got sort of a knack for it because we've got, you know, 10,000 signatures in, in four days. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I you, yeah go ahead, Miles. So I know for myself, like, as a concrete professional, I'm probably going to go into, go into STEM discipline, maybe like material science or something like that. But just in general, my family always at always advocates for staying woke and speaking out for what you believe what you believe in. Like my mom my mom's an av- an avid playwriter who taught who recently wrote a play about the about the Newark Newark riots in nineteen sixties and what her and which is essentially an allusion to what um, part of her family went through during that time. My dad is my dad is a corporate executive provincial who's exposed to the exposed to these executives from all over the world, from Italy, Italy and China, getting used to those those type of political and social economic lands economic landscapes. So I think that while it may not be a concrete concrete profession, I definitely will invest more of myself towards being towards evaluating society and what I want to believe in and making sure that whenever something needs to be done, I won't be afraid to get arouse support and make sure it gets done. So basically like again, I, I don't think I'm gonna go into like things like political science in college. I'm, I'm not going to be studying that officially, but I'm absolutely going to be involved in this in the future. Um, I'm definitely, and I, I like to take things a little, a little bit of a different approach. Like people, again, tend to like talk about politics in a certain way, but I like to take a philosophical approach. I like to take a, a much bigger approach to things about just, you know, institutions, structures, and like our human nature and how we sort of it, it, it kind of went back to like what, what Jonah mentioned it was like a sociology question um, and I think these questions can answer a lot and if we really like talk about science and politics and combine those together uh, we can really start to solve these issues and understand each other I think understanding is the, the biggest thing that we can do you know it's it's very easy for you to see you know maybe someone wearing a Trump shirt or wearing some hat or something like that and immediately make assumptions about them but if we can actually understand each other and from move from there and like find some common ground based off that understanding, I think that's the biggest thing that we can do for humanity in the future. Uh, Jonah, Miles, do you have any, uh, anything you want to say about the petition, about the letter before we uh, close? Uh, in the time we were talking, we broke 11,000. So that's cool. Congratulations. Uh, that's amazing. And this is recorded on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. This podcast Wednesday. will be published on Friday. So yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot higher by then. Um, honestly, I just like to say, you know, this has been absolutely exhausted. Both of us have been up for the better part of four days, not much sleep. Um, just pushing this on social media to news. I've got a call with NJ News uh, later today. Um, they're, they're they're writing an article. So Miles, I have to send you the questions that we have to answer like on the patch NJ news. If you want to go shout that out, I can give you the link when it gets put up. Sure. But we've got an article in the paper um, and we're, we're just trying to get Phil Murphy to notice us. So once, once he does, I can, I can go to sleep again. Um, you, you know, I, I hope this doesn't go on much longer, honestly, like it'd be cool if it gets like a million signatures. I don't want that. I want to just, you know, get the victory that we're looking for, but you know, we're here for this as long as it takes. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so um, along with that, I think I mentioned this before, but um, part, of, part of our movements that we're making, we're drafting a letter that kind of goes into details of the demands that we want backed up by data. We're planning to mailing that to Murphy. Um, once we get done with that draft, 
um, I'm sending it, I'm sending it to one of the editors just on like to see if we can get published there too. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully that will also be that will also facilitate more attention towards towards our petition. So for anyone that's that's interested, you can find the petition within uh, my bio or Jordan's bio. Yeah. And please make sure to share share with anyone you know. Just share the draft the draft on draft of my letter, which is in my page, or or Jordan's announcement about our petition in general within his face. Like we just arrive more support, and I make sure that Murphy sees this. And the change.org petition link, we're going to link that in our podcast description. Do you guys want to share your social media tags quickly, though? Yeah, okay. So, um, and, and we can send them to you. Mine is on Instagram. It's JonahL3. So, that's me. Hey, um, for, me um, for Instagram, yeah, mine, mine is miles underscore rock1242. Everything's, lo- everything's lowercase. And if you want to follow me anywhere else, that's also my Snapchat. Yeah. All right. uh, one final thing to add. Finally today, this is good news. Uh, I've successfully infiltrated the Scotch Plains Fanwood 18 and up Facebook group. <laughs> nice. So I, uh, I posted a shout out for our thing in there. Uh, we've gotten some good response. Miles, someone called us fine young men. So we're on our way. No, this is, this is amazing work that you guys are doing. Uh, thank you for everyone who's listened. This is the third episode of the Matt Levine, my generation podcast. And, uh, Thanks for, thanks for listening. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.